Hello, and welcome to Embrace Your Destiny, the podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes, and I'm your host. And if you're new to the podcast, Embrace Your Destiny is all about sharing the stories of women who have gone from tragedy to triumph. They've overcome obstacles, and they found that light at the end of the tunnel. They've learned lessons from it, and it's really about sharing those experiences and the lessons they've learned to support you in whatever you might be going through at this time. And today, my guest is Crystal Webster, and Crystal knows all too well how life can go from cloud nine to sub-basement in the blink of an eye. After marrying her soulmate and spending two years living abroad, she and her husband returned home to start their family and instantly became pregnant. Less than a week later, her beloved aunt and uncle were tragically killed. Crystal fell into a deep depression, but was also excited to welcome a new life into the world and to bring some much-needed light into her family. At 32 weeks, during a routine ultrasound, she heard the words that should never have been uttered. We need to speak with the doctor. Her Madeline Elizabeth was born two weeks later on May 19th, 2010, and died the following day in her arms. And so I'm going to pass it over to Crystal to talk more about that experience and what she learned from that tragedy. Oh my gosh, I learned quite a bit. Um, and continue to learn every day um, a little bit more about who I am and, you know, kind of my mission and destiny in life. Um, so in 2010, um, shortly after Madeline's death, we found out that, um, you know, through the routine, I guess, protocol, we found out that Madeline had a, a genetic condition that they said, oh, well, it can either be a fluke or, you know, something could be in one of her parents that was passed along to her. Um, and so we decided to find, you know, to figure it out so we would know how that would affect us moving forward as we continued to try to grow our family. Well, come to find out, uh, it was a genetic condition that. I, her mother, passed along to her that made it, you know, she, she couldn't survive um, without, you know, once, give, once I gave birth to her. Um, and the same thing would happen uh, pretty much for any of her siblings um, if we decided to go the quote-unquote natural route. That must have been so devastating to hear. Oh my gosh. Um, Yes, it was terrible. Not only are you grieving the loss of your child, but you're also grieving the loss of, you know, the, the quote traditional family throw on top of that, the mom guilt of, you know, when you're, when you're in that sort of downward spiral you're thinking, oh my gosh, I killed my child. Whether that's right, wrong, or otherwise, that's the burden and the mindset you have on your heart is that you did this, even though there was, you know, I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't plan to do it, but. No, it was totally out of your control. Yeah, completely out of my control, but that's still, that's still where your mind kind of goes. I, and unfortunately, I, th- I think that anyone's mind would 
tend to head that direction. So it was like grief on top of grief, on top of grief, on top of grief, it felt like. Um, and then, you know, we talked to the specialists, we talked to the doctors, we talked to pretty much anyone that would take a meeting with us. And they said, well, you know, based on this and this and this and this, we could try IVF or in vitro fertilization. And, you know, currently you have about a 6% chance of having normal, healthy kids. But, you know, with mod the modern miracle of science, um, we don't see, you know, they got on their little soapbox. We don't see any reason why you can't start your family. So we, you know, went, jumped through all those hoops and went through uh, three rounds of very intense IVF, which is its own roller coaster of emotions because you get this good news and then this not so good news and this, you know, and this great news and this really terrible news. And you're just, it seems like every day up and down and up and down. And you're on and hormones as well, at, though, at that exactly. time. Yeah. So multiply that by a thousand, you know, not only are you, does your body kind of think you're pregnant, you have the pregnancy hormones, but then you have 12 times those pregnancy hormones. You know, I could look out the window and be mad that the grass is not green or, you know, yeah. And 10 seconds later be crying because the ice in my soda has melted. Or, you know, whatever. Emotional roller coaster for sure. Absolutely. Um, so we did three rounds of IVF thinking each time this is going to be the time. This is going to be the time. Um, and Madeline still does not have siblings. And I believe she's destined to be an only child. Um, so once we and, – and we had set out a plan saying – from the get go. Okay. We're going to do, we're going to spend X number of dollars. We're going to try this X number of times. And at the end of that, we're not going to say, okay, one more time. Okay. Maybe this time will be different because you can, what if yourself to death Yeah, one more time yourself to death. And so we said, okay, three times and that's, that's it. Then we explore other options. We, you know, we do, we change something, we do something different. Um, and so at the end of our three rounds of IVF, we, we actually stuck to our plan and said, okay, you know, we can't, we can't keep doing this. Um, and at that point we kind of had to reevaluate, uh, rethink things. And I went through another grieving process because I was losing the, the dream of having a biological family that was, you know, like biologically mine because now the options are adoption or um, egg donation or, you know, something where they don't have my genetic makeup and you don't realize there was a lot of things I didn't realize I needed to think through or grieve or whatever until they arise. You know, you don't realize that's a big deal until 
that option is taken away from yeah. you. Um, so we, you know, went through that process and still on a daily basis tend to um, have highs and lows and grieve the loss of our daughter, Madeline, the loss of our biological family, you know, a, a lot of different, a lot of different things. Um, but I believe that it has made us a stronger couple. Um, my husband and I are still mostly happily married. <laughs> there are always days. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a stronger person. I'm part of a stronger team. I get to wake up every morning and say the worst thing that could possibly happen to me has already happened. And if I got through that, I can get through today. Right. No matter what happens. And that's liberating. It is. If you really, if you really think about it, you're like, dude, I can get through anything. Yeah. When you reflect on, yeah. You know, still in, in the traffic jam in the moment, I'm ticked off that I'm not where I need to be. But I'm like, if you really sit and think about it, you're like, you know what? No big deal. Nobody died. I'm just going to run late. It happens. Right. Yeah. It really shifts your perspective on everything, really. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And then in about, uh, took me really almost a full five years after the passing of Madeline to really kind of find my new normal, find my new happy. You know, life was never going to be the same. but I, I couldn't continue to live my life almost waiting to die, you know, just kind of going through the motions to get, to get through the end of the day. Right. Existing. Yes. Yeah. Existing. I really needed to do more than just survive. And, you know, I, I, I'd always wanted to honor Madeline's life and legacy in some way from, from the moment I knew that she wasn't going to survive from the moment, you know. I got to hold her in my arms. I knew that she was a special soul. I mean, I am a little bit biased seeing that I'm her mom. Right. But I knew that she was just her story, her legacy, her life couldn't be in vain. Couldn't be just eight hours. It needed to live on. Um, but I didn't know the, the right way to do that. I didn't know what really spoke to my heart, you know, whether it was to you know, form a foundation or do some sort of 5k fun run. I just couldn't find what really, really spoke to me. And so I wasn't going to, I was going to go big or go home. Like I was just going to wait until the perfect thing came around. And then one day it hit me like a bolt of lightning, what I needed to do to honor Madeline, to honor my grieving process and to kind of hope, help others find hope and help others through their own grieving process Um, along my entire grief journey, which honestly never truly ends. um, People from the outside would say you have such a good spin on this. You have, you know, how are you so upbeat? How are you moving today? Um, and I felt like maybe that was something that I needed to find a way to share. Absolutely. With others. I'm not saying it's the right way to do it. I'm not saying it's, it's the only way to do it, but it's Um, a way. It's a way. Exactly. 
And so in 2015, the concept of sharing solace was conceived. And tell me what, tell us more a little bit about what sharing solace is. Sure. So sharing solace is actually a community of grievers for grievers. So we as sharing solace provide tangible gifts and a meaningful community to those that are grieving some sort of tragic loss. And that could be any sort of loss, loss of a person, the loss of a pet, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job. I feel that grief is grief and you can grieve pretty much a loss of anything. And so we create these tangible gifts to be given to those that are grieving. They keep them near their heart as long as it brings them comfort and solace. Kind of at some point, it won't do that anymore. That's just the nature of grief. What once brought them comfort now kind of takes them backwards. And when that starts to happen, you know that it is time to release that heavy grief on your heart. And it's time to pay forward your peace to another griever to give them some of the strength that your, your gift gave you. And the backside of each of our pieces has a unique identifier on them. So you can, by registering it on our website, you can actually follow the token as it moves from person to person. Oh, nice. And help to build, you know, to help reduce that isolation and loneliness that so often accompanies grief. Absolutely. Because I think that when you're going through something like that, you feel like nobody else gets it, that nobody else truly understands what you're going through. And to feel that kind of isolation is is so devastating because to feel like you're the only one and that nobody else can really support you or understand what you're going through in a meaningful way can um, can be very depressing. And so Absolutely. I think that it's it's great that you're providing this opportunity to connect in a meaningful way to let people know that they're not alone in their grief, whatever it is that they're grieving, because, um, yeah, I feel like that understanding that we're all, we're all going through something at some point in our lives and that we can support each other, that we can share these stories and really, you know, encourage and support one another and let people know that you can get through this. It might not feel like it when you're in the depths of that grief, it might feel insurmountable, but there is a way to continue to live in a purposeful way. And I think that's exactly. so important. Yeah. So that is kind of our, our mission of sharing solace is to pro- provide support for those that really need it um, in maybe a little bit of an unconventional way. Um, and we're, it kind of meshes the, the tangible gifts and the online community in a way that I wish was around in 2010. Um, When I, you know, when I couldn't get out of bed in the morning because I didn't have the mental or physical strength to do so. Yeah. Crystal, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned from this experience? Um, Probably to that quote from Finding Nemo, you know, just keep swimming. Right. Just 
put one foot in front of the other. Do the best you can. I believe it's a Maya Angelou quote. Do the best you can until you know better then do better. Right. You know, forward motion is forward motion. And if the best you can do is get out of bed today and move to the sofa, then maybe tomorrow you can get out of bed and take a shower before you go to the sofa. Right. Yeah. Baby steps. Baby steps. Absolutely. Um, both with my grief and with the process of getting sharing solace off the ground, you know, baby step after baby step after baby step will eventually add up to miles. Absolutely. And I think that, um, when you're going through that grief, if people haven't lost somebody significant in their own lives, they don't get it. And I feel like they think that grief should have an end date, You know, (laughs) so it's um, so important for everyone to understand that it is a process. And especially if you're going through it to know that, you know, you need to be patient with yourself and with the process. There is no, you know, 90 day expiration date on grief. And that um, it's something that we have to work through at our own pace. Yes. And you can, you know, it is. Grief in and of itself is a roller coaster. You can be up today and down tomorrow. And you can be 10 steps back in a week and two miles ahead in three days type of thing. Oh, yeah, because things are going to happen, whether it's, you know, a certain day of the year that triggers that those emotions or, you know, going to the mall and seeing something. You know what I mean? Like, if there's just so many small things that can sort of just trigger that, that downward spiral. And you just never know when it's going to happen sometimes. Exactly. So you really need to need to strive to be moving in a forward direction, but allow yourself to take steps backwards. Yeah. And not beat yourself up about it. Exactly. And don't compare, you know, your grief journey to anybody else's. They, you know, that other person grieves, even if it appears to be the same way as you do, it's, it's not. And they're on a different, they're taking a different path than you are. That's right. And, um, Crystal, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's going through something similar in their own life right now? Keep moving. Um, which is actually maybe a little bit different than keep swimming. Right. Um, probably the best thing that I ever did for myself, while it, especially in the super deep, deep depths of grief, when I didn't want to get out of bed, when I didn't want to see or talk to anyone, when I didn't want, I just needed to exist for another day type of thing. Um, I one day decided, okay, I need, I need to leave the house, but I don't know where to go. So how about if I go to the gym because I can put in headphones and I don't have to talk to anybody at the gym. I don't have to get up and shower or do my hair or put on makeup or wear anything other than tennis shoes 
I don't have to get dressed really. I just have to throw on a, you know, some athletic gear. Right. It was the easiest way to get out of the house without actually having to talk to anyone or do anything or function as a human. I didn't have to adult at all. Right. You could just do your own thing. Yeah. And everybody else was in their own little world. You know, nobody, you go to the gym, nobody really ever wants to talk to each other. Um, Cause they're doing their own little workout yeah. or little thing or watching their TV show or whatever. And I would go and I would get on the treadmill and I would watch some nineties sitcom com rerun um, for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and walk on the treadmill. And then I get off and I go home and then I felt like I did something that day. And then I started to say, well, you know, maybe if I can do this for 30 minutes, I can do it for 45. And if I can walk at two miles an hour, maybe I can walk at three miles an hour. And just, you know, a little baby step here, a little baby step there. And now I'm lifting weights and have gym friends and go several times a week and do other things too. Right. And I think that's the magical part of it, right? Is that when you take action, which is why I think that your advice is so great about keep moving, is that once you take action and you have those small successes, you start to ask yourself what else is possible. And so Mm -hmm. you just keep stretching yourself you just keep pushing yourself a little bit further and you start to challenge yourself and really step outside your comfort zone but it's not this gigantic leap outside your comfort zone you're just taking those little baby steps and like you said those baby steps can lead up to a mile heck if it's long enough it can lead up to a marathon you know what I mean so it's just about understanding that and not being afraid to take those those baby steps no matter how small they might be Mm -hmm. forward progress is forward progress right whether it's a leap or a scoot right (laughs) I like that Crystal what did you have any specific tools or um techniques that you used through your grieving process to help you work through it? Like, did you journal? Did you, was it prayer that helped you? Did you meditate? Like what, what really helped you? Right. Um, I definitely did and still do see a professional counselor Okay. about once a month, once every six weeks or so. Um, just for no, if for no other reason, it's because I am paying her to listen to me talk for an hour and I can talk about whatever I want, you know? Yeah. No judgment. No bitch moan and complain. (laughs) No bias. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, if you do that with your friends, one, you know, you kind of learn to stifle yourself as far as what you say to them or, you know, okay, maybe I shouldn't, I, I, I whined to him last week. Maybe I should whine to him again this week. You know? Yeah. There's something freeing about paying the copay and let, and making a stranger listen to you talk. Um, so that was definitely one thing that I, I did much more frequently than I do now, but I still continue to do. Um, and I do journal and I, I don't want to say that I enjoy it. Kind of like, I don't really enjoy the gym. But I like the effects of the gym and of journaling. I like knowing that I'm done with it for a while. 
Right. And I started just by having, you know, like now I can sit and journal and write, you know, a novel if I needed to. But I started out saying, okay, here are three things that went right in my day and just bullet point, you know, and then whatever it was. I got out of bed on time today. Right. (laughs) Um, And then I would always write three things that I was grateful for that day. And not the traditional, you know, I could always write, I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head, that I have plenty to eat, that I have a loving husband. It was, I tried to, those were given. Those are given. You know, I'm, I'm always grateful for those things. I tried to write unique, different things that I was grateful for every day so that I started to look for those things that weren't right in my day that I was grateful for yeah. so that I could write them down in my journal at, at the end of the evening. I think that that's such a powerful exercise, especially when you're going through something, experiencing any kind of loss or any kind of real challenge or tragedy in your life is to, um, to seek out things to be grateful for because it can be so easy to fall into that trap of thinking that nothing is going good in your life. Right. And, um, and so when you can look for the little things to be grateful for, I think that that's such a powerful exercise because it really helps you to, to shift your perspective. One thing I also found that helped, I hate to use the word, but B U T because it basically negates anything that you said prior to that. Yeah. Right. Um, but when I would have a negative thought or say something down, depressing, negative, when I did that, I would immediately say, but the sun is shining today. But I got to have a Diet Coke this afternoon, <laughs> you know? Yeah. To kind of help me think of something positive. I don't mind using but when the thing I'm trying to negate is negative. Right. Yeah, that is a good exercise. Crystal, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? Whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone. There are others that have been through something, maybe not exactly like what you're going through, but but similar. And and reach out. People want to help and want to share their story and hear your story. But they're not always sometimes they need that little prompt to know that it's okay to support you. Absolutely. And so if you're listening on the road or at the gym or walking your dog and you don't have access to the show notes right now, um, you will have links back in the show notes on how to find Crystal, um, her website and social media so that you can connect with her if you need support through whatever grief you might be going through right now. I definitely encourage you to touch base and learn more about what she does and yeah there'll be more about crystal and the initiative that she's working on so crystal thank you so much for being a guest i greatly appreciate it thank you so much 
and I will see you guys next week. Till then, have a great day. Bye.